the It's the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast for Monday, October 5, 2020. On today's special live presentation, Dr. Joe Schwartz is here with Science Demystified. Dr. Joe will be speaking about the infodemic and the spread of misinformation. Well, let's uh, open the curtain on this information age that we are living in. And boy, have we ever come a long way from the time when information was transmitted on tablets. We have even come a long way from information being transmitted on these kind of tablets. I doubt that any of you remember these, but today, of course, we are talking about a totally different kind of tablet. Today, information comes to us from laptops and from desktop computers. And of course, we are all connected to the uh, internet. The way information is passed today is also different. Even cheating has changed. <clears throat> no longer are notes passed from one person to the other in a clandestine fashion. Today, students cheat using the Apple Watch. So of course, we have to be ever vigilant to monitor how exams are written. Everything has changed because of this explosion of information. It is coming at us from all sides. Radio, TV, laptops, iPads, the, the Apple Watch. Uh, so there's certainly no dearth of information. We are in fact badgered by it. Now, not all of it is meaningful. Some of it is, is really quite unnecessary. Uh, I don't think we need signs like this. I think this is also uh, quite superfluous. I think it's self-explanatory that one would not use this uh, particular part of the, of the toilet. Uh, I don't think we have to pay too much attention on an offer of gluten-free haircuts. So this is all just uh, silliness. Uh, this is also silly, but in a different kind of way. The implication here is that there are some tomatoes that are actually genetically modified. Well, no, none are. There are no genetic modified tomatoes on the market today, at least not the way that most people think of genetic modification. Uh, that is through recombinant DNA technology. In virtually every food that we eat these days, including tomatoes, over the years has been genetic modified just by regular crossbreeding. But to imply that uh, there are some tomatoes today that are genetically modified the same way that canola or corn may be genetically modified to resist herbicides is, uh, is just not correct. So one has to be careful with all of this information that, that we get. There certainly has been an explosion of data as well. Studies upon studies upon studies. Virtually every minute, five new studies come out in the world. And uh, the information and the data that we have access to is increasing exponentially. However, our ability to gather data and to gather information has outstripped our ability to analyze what that information means. And this is where things become quite critical. 
The question is, to whom do we listen? Because everyone is offering advice, everyone is offering opinion, everyone is referencing so-called scientific papers. The question is, to whom do we listen? Do we listen to the President of the United States, supposedly the most powerful man in the world, who has access to the best possible information? Well, look at the information that we have uh, gained from him. America is rounding the corner, rounding the final turn of the pandemic, he said last week. Well, it seems that that is not exactly the case. Neither is it true that 99% of COVID-19 cases are totally harmless. In fact, most of them come with some sort of residue of symptoms. Then remember when he said that anybody who wants a test can get a test. That wasn't true months ago when he said this, and it is still not true today. And it is not true that the numbers are looking much better going down almost everywhere. In fact, the numbers are going up. And then, of course, he's also very uh, adept at uh, selecting information. Just last week, he said that there was a gain of 9 million jobs, a record in history of our country. <laughs> well, he didn't say that 18 million jobs were lost and some of those were regained. Uh, also, that the United States has experienced the smallest economic contraction of any major Western nation is absolutely not true. There are 12 countries that have suffered less economically than the US. So basically, these statements are just not true. So this is not a reputable source of, uh, of information. Neither are uh, some of his uh, cronies, like William Barr, the Attorney General. You may remember when he was uh, asked about the Bible episode, when the president walked from the White House to a nearby church uh, for a photo op holding up a Bible, and the crowds that had gathered there were dispersed uh, by uh, the police using tear gas. Well, when he was confronted by this, uh, Barr said that there were no chemical irritants. Pepper spray is not a chemical irritant. It's not a chemical. Well, of course, uh, pepper spray is an irritant. Uh, it causes the eyes to tear, the nose to run. It is decidedly unpleasant. Anyone who gets sprayed with pepper spray is going to stop writing. It's not a chemical. This is coming from the Attorney General of the US, a supposedly educated person. Everything in the world, of course, is composed of chemicals. And of course, I hasten to add that chemical is not a dirty word. It is just a description of the fundamental building blocks of, of matter. But to say that the pepper spray that was used is not a chemical is uh, just absolute uh, nonsense. And uh, unfortunately, with the glut of information these days, there's also the glut of nonsense. But we have to rely on facts. What are they? Well, there are observations that have been repeatedly confirmed. However, uh, it is also true that sometimes, uh, based on new observations, uh, the facts may change. Now, not all facts, of course. I mean, there are some facts that will never change. For example, Pythagoras' theorem, the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares of the other two sides. 
that is an absolute fact that will never change, right? But there are some other observations that lead us to facts which are not quite as steadfast as the Pythagoras uh, observation. Unfortunately, these days we have even entered the world of alternative facts. But what on earth does that mean? That expression actually came from Kellyanne Conway, uh, another one of uh, the president's advisors, and uh, who told us that there are no falsehoods, they provide alternative facts. Enough of that. There's no such thing as an alternative fact. Fact is a fact. It is true, however, that there may be alternative interpretations of facts. That's a possibility. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. We know that the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has been increasing. This is a fact because we can measure the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The global temperature has also been increasing. That is also a fact because it is open to testing. We have instruments. So we know that the temperature is increasing. Now, of course, the question is whether or not these two are related. Is the concentration of atmospheric uh, CO2 responsible for the increase in global temperature? Well, there are alternative interpretations of this. For example, uh, most scientists now believe that it is the uh, carbon dioxide that uh, is due to man's activity, uh, whether it comes from cars, trucks, ships, airplanes, etc. This is building up in the atmosphere and it is producing what we call the greenhouse effect and uh, that is responsible for the increase in temperature. <clears throat> However, there are some who say, oh yes, it may be so that the carbon dioxide content of the atmosphere is increasing. However, it is the activity of sunspots that is responsible for these small increases in global temperature that we are seeing. Who is right? Well, when questions like this arise, obviously we look to the scientific community and we look for consensus because there are individual studies that can back up virtually any view that anyone has. But in the world of science, we search for a consensus. And in this particular case, the vast majority of atmospheric scientists tell us that there's a very strong relationship between increase of carbon dioxide and uh, global temperatures and the increase of CO2 is causing the increase in global temperatures. There are some outlier scientists who don't agree with that, but the consensus of opinion uh, by far outweighs that minority uh, opinion. So this is what we look for in science. And of course, all of this is documented in the scientific literature, the so-called peer-reviewed literature. And it is at this altar that we in the world of science uh, worship. Perhaps sometimes too much because of course, uh, the literature is not infallible because humans are not infallible. People make mistakes, people are fraudulent, but nevertheless, this is the best way we have to gather proper scientific information. 
a researcher carries out a study, sends that study into a journal, the editor of the journal sends it out to reviewers, we call them referees, who will then come up with their comments and eventually with some back and forth determine whether the study deems publishable or not. This is how we gain our knowledge in the world of science. However, these days things are different because science uh, is in danger of being overrun by a tsunami of nonsense, tsunami of, of quacks. Why is this? Because while the scientific world looks to the peer-reviewed literature, the regular world looks to the internet and to social media. And of course, here we have a great variety of uh, information, some of it highly reputable, because of course, a lot of the peer-reviewed literature is available uh, for us on, on the net, but a lot of it very, very questionable. Now, some of it is, is really not that, that important. For example, the Flat Earth Society, of course, will have a website and they will blog about the earth being flat. Uh, well, I mean, this is, you know, such nonsense that, that scientists don't even uh, want to engage in any kind of debate uh, about this. But there are thousands and thousands of people who, who buy into this and they, you know, write things back and forth on their, on their blogs. Uh, then, of course, there are people who believe that the landing on the moon never occurred and that it was all staged. It was a made-for-TV event. Well, again, I mean, this is such nonsense that, that uh, it doesn't even need to be uh, confronted. Uh, there are other uh, sources of, of very questionable information on the Internet, which, of course, can be... Uh, decided, at least their verity can be decided just by examining the science. For example, this exhaust from airplanes, uh, which are um, contrails as, as they are called. However, there is a movement out there uh, that refers to these not as contrails, but as chemtrails. And they insinuate that there's some nefarious activity going on here that what is actually happening is that airplanes are spewing out chemicals and that this uh, is uh, due to, depending on which group you listen to, many possible factors. For example, that they want to uh, reduce global temperatures by blocking out solar radiation, or they want to modify the weather in some way. They want to manipulate people's minds with some chemical control uh, agents. Uh, and that these are causing respiratory problems, et cetera. Et cetera. And uh, this is, is uh, you know, quite widespread, amazingly, on, on, the, uh, on the internet. And they try to back up their arguments with, uh, you know, pretty interesting sounding arguments for those people who really don't know what this is all about. For example, they show you pictures like this which they claim is taken you know, of the inside of an airplane just before one of these planes uh, takes off to spew out these chemicals into, into the air. Well, no, that's not what you're looking at here. What you're looking at here is an experiment that was run by Airbus uh, as they were uh, testing their new aircraft. And in order to see how uh, weights uh, may shift during flight, 
they used these tanks to stimulate uh, passengers because you could move these tanks around inside of the plane to carry out the experiments. The fact, of course, is that these contrails can be explained very readily scientifically. Whenever there is combustion, the fuel burns and then produces carbon dioxide and water. And when water comes out of the engines at uh, high altitudes, the temperature is very low so that the moisture will condense and freeze. Uh, so what you're really looking at here are tiny, tiny little particles of ice. And under certain conditions, they can merge together and form clouds. Not nearly as uh, interesting an explanation as the uh, chemtrails, but this is based on fact. This is based on science. Now, not everything can be solved with science. For example, the belief that UFOs are real. Government knows it. Well, you know what? Yeah, UFOs are real because UFO just means unidentified flying object. If you see something in the sky and you can't explain it, doesn't look like it's an airplane, doesn't look like it's a weather balloon, whatever, then you have seen a UFO. But it's a pretty big jump from there to suggest that these are flying saucers. And it's an even bigger jump to suggest that these flying saucers are kidnapping uh, humans, these so-called alien uh, abductions. So there's a lot of this kind of, of silliness that, that goes on uh, out there. And then of course, there, there are some uh, activities on, you know, in social media that, that are disturbing in the sense that they suck people in to various kinds of schemes. For example, uh, this uh, website is actually not the website of the Los Angeles Times. They have just stolen the, uh, the logo. And um, at 58 NHL legend, Wayne Gretzky lives in this modest house with his partner. That's interesting. I looked at that and said, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to see how Wayne Gretzky is living. But of course, this is just a very clever way to suck you in. So you click on there and no, you don't get to visit Wayne Gretzky's uh, house. What you get is this revelation, again, looking like it came from the CBC because they have the CBC logo, but of course this is very easily copied from some, somewhere else. And now you're taken to this headline, Big Pharma's furious after Gretzky's public comments about new uh, ED solution. Uh, well, first of all, you will note that uh, they spelled Wayne Gretzky's name wrong, which is very unlikely that CBC would uh, do that. So what they are promoting here is some drug for erectile dysfunction. Wayne Gretzky has absolutely nothing to do with it. But looking further down the page, they will talk about this, this vital alpha testo, which is some kind of testosterone booster. And uh, obviously there's no evidence for this. And there certainly is no evidence that, that one should be playing around with testosterone uh, boosters. But uh, this is a common technique on the internet to, to suck people, uh, people in. Um, there's more. Uh, I mean, you would think that something like this, drink camel urine to cure coronavirus, would be just passed off by most people as total nonsense. Well, maybe so here in, uh, in North America, 
But believe it or not, in some parts of the world, drinking camel urine is regarded as being medicinal. And they, also, they even sell uh, camel urine to ward off COVID-19. Now, one would think that nobody would buy into this, but one would be wrong. Uh, there's a great demand, not in North America yet. I guess it hasn't been publicized, but uh, in some areas of the Middle East, yes. Is it safe? Who knows what is in there? Uh, I don't think that drinking urine is something that is to be uh, recommended, but it is out there. Uh, neither would one recommend experimenting with uh, extracts of the belladonna plant, as uh, is the case here where people ended up in hospital because they had read on the internet that one way to try to control the uh, coronavirus was to boost the body's immunity uh, by taking seeds of the belladonna plant. Why? Because those seeds look like the coronavirus. Well, as I look at this, it doesn't really look to me like this is the coronavirus. But you know, there's a theory out there, an ancient theory called the theory of signatures. Uh, proponents of this claim that nature gives us clues about what substance we should take in order to uh, cure certain ailments. Uh, for example, the foxglove plant is good for the heart because the leaves are shaped like the heart. Okay, well, this doesn't really look like the coronavirus, but uh, unfortunately, some people tried it, and the seeds contain uh, atropine, uh, which can be toxic. I mean, you'd have to eat several seeds in order to have that toxic effect, but unfortunately it happened because these people did end up in the, in the hospital. Uh, in North America, uh, we also have proponents of, of very similar nonsense. Uh, Alex Jones, who has a, a wildly popular uh, program called InfoWars, where he promotes all kinds of nonsense, uh, including uh, the fact, according to him, uh, that uh, the shooting uh, that uh, uh, killed uh, something like uh, uh, 30 uh, children uh, never happened, never happened. He says that this was uh, all some sort of emergency exercise and it never happened. Uh, the Sandy Hook school shooting is what we are talking about. Uh, there are books that have been written about this, which Alex Jones promotes. Again, uh, this is so ridiculous that it is not even worth uh, combating. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people buy into this. A lot of people buy into Alex Jones's promotion of various silver, uh, silver remedies against COVID-19. Well, silver has no benefit that has ever been shown against COVID-19. But just to give you an example where Alex Jones is coming from, he of course is also promoting the fact that Bill Gates uh, is trying to kill off the world population uh, and has uh, somehow uh, been uh, in collusion uh, in releasing the uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus so that he can eventually vaccinate people with some sort of microchip so that they can be monitored. I mean, absurdities like this. Uh, Alex Jones also, of course, has claimed that Michelle Obama was actually a man. One would think that nobody listens to this kind of, of, of uh, lunacy, but unfortunately, there are a lot of people who do.
Now, not all of this lunacy comes from scientific uh, uh, nincompoops like Alex Jones. Some of it actually comes from, from people who one would expect would know better. Uh, recently, I got this letter, and I still sometimes get letters, although mostly I get emails. I got this letter from a physician who sent me uh, samples of this lavender extract and oregano extract saying that he has found in his practice that people who consume this did not contract COVID-19. Well, <laughs> uh, of course, this is not really scientific evidence. I'm not sure why he sent this to me. I, I guess he wanted some kind of, of, of uh, promotion. Uh, I would suspect that uh, uh, people who um, eat blueberries or Kellogg's cornflakes or whatever you, you, you choose, you can also find among them a population that did not contract the disease. Uh, associations, of course, never uh, can imply cause and effect relationships, but uh, uh, he seems convinced that, that his products uh, work, although he's reticent about making the out and out claim. Anyway, I did look into him and uh, it turns out that he actually promotes uh, questionable remedies in other areas as well, various kinds of anti-aging potions and uh, antifungal uh, potions, none of, none of which has any kind of scientific uh, evidence. But I can see that, that you know, some people would be very intrigued by this, and especially when they are desperate, would buy into it. Even worse than this is this video that uh, made the rounds a few weeks ago called Plandemic. Uh, it got millions and millions of views, and it featured a discredited scientist by Judy, name of Judy Mikovits. It was a very slickly produced video that scooted around the internet, and uh, it claimed that the pandemic was created as a profit-making venture, that the virus was actually manipulated, that it was created in a Chinese lab, and that if you take the flu vaccine, it increases your risk of contracting COVID-19. Uh, this is, of course, very dangerous information because the flu vaccine, of course, reduces your chance of getting the flu. And if you should get the flu and COVID-19 at the same time, that could be a catastrophic situation. Uh, she went on to say that wearing a mask actually activates your own virus because you're exhaling and breathing it back in. This is total nonsense and that we should be walking barefoot uh, on sand near the ocean because salt water has microbes that will uh, have a feeling, healing effect on COVID-19. And she came up with this when in California they closed the beaches. And she said that that was exactly the wrong thing to do because we should be going on the beach because of the benefits of these healing microbes. And she's also a big proponent of hydroxychloroquine. And as we know, numerous studies have shown that uh, uh, does not have any kind of a, a significant uh, effect. This is, is worrisome. And some researchers now have looked at these conspiracy theories uh, scientifically to see exactly what it is that people believe and what the consequences of those beliefs are. So in this particular uh, paper, which came out very recently, they looked at some very common beliefs in, in conspiracies. Very common one is that the virus is a bioweapon that was created by the Chinese government. Uh, that the Centers for Disease Control in the US is exaggerating the risks of COVID-19 
in order to damage the election of, of uh, President uh, Trump. And uh, another one, of course, is that the pharmaceutical industry created the disease to sell drugs and eventually vaccines. Now, what is the danger of people having these kind of beliefs? Interestingly, there is a danger because what came out of this study was that people who believed in these uh, bits of, of nonsense uh, also were less likely to wear face masks or get vaccinated. So all of this kind of ties in. And what the researchers found here, which is really frightening, that these beliefs are increasing. Beliefs in all kinds of conspiracies is, is increasing because the proponents of these ideas are very good at what they do. They're good at getting their message out there. They're good at garnering information. They know how to get publicity, which is something that uh, conventional scientists really don't know what to do because it's not in, in, in their kind of line of work. You know, they go into the labs, they do the research, they're not out there thinking about how do we best publicize this. But the uh, pseudoscience people are very good at uh, doing their publicity. And one of the most dangerous uh, uh, conspiracy theories today is the uh, QAnon movement. And uh, it's very difficult even to describe what this is, uh, but we are seeing the letter Q being displayed increasingly on, on posters, on, on, on uh, t-shirts, on, on hats, very often at uh, Trump rallies. And they talk about the great Q awakening. Well, what is this that they're talking about? Q supposedly is some person in the deep state, well, what is the deep state? Uh, it's very difficult to get exact you know, answers from even the proponents of these theories, but what they seem to imply that there is some sort of hidden underground government that is actually controlling the government that, that, that we see, uh, but they want to bring down the government that, uh, that we see. This is the great awakening that eventually we're going to, to uh, get uh, things done properly, get rid of, you know, the, the uh, uh, bad liberal Democrats. And uh, these people think that Trump is, is the, the answer. Well, Q refers to some person in the so-called deep state uh, who is uh, privy to all information and is slowly releasing this information, but is releasing it in, in some sort of a, a puzzle that has to be interpreted. It is as weird as it sounds, but here it is in a nutshell, what QAnon refers to. It's a conspiracy theory. Uh, and basically they believe that there's some sort of cabal of Satan worshiping Democrats and Hollywood celebrities and various billionaires in the world who are engaged in pedophilia, human trafficking and harvesting of uh, a life extending chemical from the blood of abused children. And their great savior is uh, President Trump, who's waging the secret battle against the deep state and uh, eventually is going to, to win. Uh, it's, it's even hard to know what to say about stuff like this. You know, it, it, it kind of seems like, you know, uh, a bunch of comedians sat down around a, a table and said to themselves, 
let's see what is the most ridiculous idea that we can come up with that some people will actually believe. And this seems to be an example uh, of that, except that it has extremely dangerous uh, overtones. The adrenochrome that they talk about is, is an actual compound. It, it's a metabolite of adrenaline. It does occur in the body, but it has nothing to do with making people look and feel younger. This is just total nonsense. And of course, these pictures of uh, Hillary Clinton are doctored pictures. And needless to say, uh, she has never taken adrenochrome uh, and she has uh, never drank the blood of children. Uh, but this, this uh, trope uh, is believed by a lot of people. They are actually out there demonstrating against, against adrenochrome. Well, what is the, the real sort of background to this, which is, is, is really awful, because this references really uh, this age-old idea that Jews will kill uh, Christian children and take their blood in, uh, in their various ceremonies, particularly at Passover, uh, because it has some sort of, of rejuvenating effect. Uh, I mean, needless to say, this is uh, ludicrous, but this is, is kind of built into the QAnon philosophy. Or they don't out and out say it, but QAnon is essentially an anti-Semitic movement uh, with this belief of, of uh, Jews taking the blood of, of Christian children built, uh, built into it. Uh, all of this first came to light with this really amazing story uh, from this uh, pizza parlor in, in Washington, D.C. This supposedly was the place well, where Hillary Clinton and President Obama and uh, various other Democratic cronies, liberals, were hiding children in the basement of this restaurant uh, and were using them in various ways, including taking their blood to suck out the uh, adrenochrome laughable one would think, except that it turned out that this guy showed up with a rifle at that restaurant after seeing all of this garbage on the internet. And uh, had he not been uh, um, arrested after the police were alerted, uh, he would have shot up the place and probably killed people. He actually believed this. The restaurant doesn't even have a basement. I mean, how can anyone believe that some kind of pedophile empire would be run out of the basement by Hillary Clinton uh, in a pizza shop in, in, in Washington. But there's nothing today that is so outrageous that it will not be believed. These demonstrators who are QAnon uh, uh, fans uh, claim that uh, children are being kidnapped. Interestingly enough, where are the reports of missing children that, you know, that, that they worry about? We hear your SOS, we are coming to rescue the, the, the children. Their uh, logo is save our children because they believe that they are being kidnapped by this cabal of, of liberal blood-sucking Democrats. So uh, the demonstrations uh, for on behalf of Q tie in to many other uh, strange and disturbing beliefs. 
because these are also the people who are against the wearing of masks. These are people who are against vaccination. Uh, these beliefs uh, coalesce. So QAnon, uh, which is kind of loosely defined, and even you know its proponents are not very adept at defining exactly what you know what it is that they they want or that they believe in. But you will see the anti-maskers, the anti-vaxxers, all together in these QAnon uh, demonstrations. And I mean, some of this is, you know, is demonstrable nonsense that wearing masks reduces oxygen, increases CO2 intake. Numerous studies have been done with this. We use an oximeter, and it's very clear that wearing a mask does not reduce the amount of oxygen that is, uh, is taken in. And we are seeing more and more of these demonstrations. We are seeing these in, in Montreal. We saw one last, last weekend. And of course, the, the government is now trying to, to uh, do something about these assemblies because these, of course, are, are just like petri dishes for the coronavirus. They're out there congregating, breathing at each other, yelling all over the place, spewing out uh, uh, micro droplets. Uh, so this is a hotbed for in, infection. It's happening. And interestingly enough, uh, what the Quebec government has said, that they're uh, not actually going to ban these demonstrations, these anti-mask demonstrations, but they're going to enforce that the anti-mask demonstrators have to wear masks. I mean, this is becoming uh, absolutely uh, ludicrous. John Kennedy Jr. Uh, is uh, one of the candidates for Q. Didn't he die in a plane crash? Well, not according to uh, Q proponents. He faked his uh, death so that he could go underground into the deep state and reveal the inner machinations of government and let people in on just what is happening. And he was instrumental in bringing uh, Trump to the presidency because he is the, the savior. Uh, there are also some people who say that uh, Q is actually Trump himself who's revealing all of this uh, information. Now, believe it or not, this stuff is spreading and it is indeed spreading like a virus. Uh, it's not only Americans who believe in this. It has now spread to Germany. It has spread to the UK. Uh, Any time that you know, there are dreadful situations such as we have now with economic downturn, with, with the uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, people will start believing in all kinds of, of nonsense and uh, will also start pointing fingers at uh, uh, people that they think are responsible for uh, all of this. So it's spreading around the world. In England, uh, of course, there's a lot of debate now about just what the extent of a shutdown should be because uh, the, the virus is exploding in England and uh, Boris Johnson, who's the prime minister, who does have some experience with the virus because it almost killed him, uh, wants to make sure that this does not happen to, to others and is proposing a, a shutdown, although not a complete shutdown. And there's tremendous opposition to this people are saying that he is now in the grip of mad science, that he is listening to scientists who just 
want to, for some bizarre reason, want to close down the, the country without relevant uh, evidence. Uh, there are terrible cartoons even, like this one here, where uh, Johnson is, is being uh, held prisoner by uh, scientists. And these are the, of course, these are fixed pictures uh, of the two uh, scientists who uh, are advisors to Johnson and who worry about the spread of virus and who are advocating for a partial uh, shutdown. So these movements are scary and they're going around uh, the world. In the US, uh, Kaylee McEnany, the, the press secretary of, uh, uh, of the White House, who incidentally was just today diagnosed being positive with the coronavirus. Uh, just listen to this statement she made last week. Science should not stand in the way of reopening schools. The reopening of schools should be determined solely by science by finding out just how this virus can spread. Science is the answer to this question. Uh, we have to promote uh, science. And uh, it is really unfortunate that, that pictures like this even have to exist, that, the, that we have to have marches for science. One would think that this is self-explanatory, uh, the way to solve our problems is to listen to proper scientific information. Now, of course, it is true that science does not always have an answer and neither does science claim to always have an answer. There are some questions that can be answered and some not. It all depends on what the question is. Let me give you uh, an example. Dr. Edward Fujimoto, this uh, little bit of advice that combination of high heat and plastics releases carcinogen dioxins floats around the internet and periodically it, it uh, gets exacerbated and disappears, then it comes back again. I have not even been able to find Dr. Edward Fujimoto except for this uh, one picture, but there are numerous blogs and websites uh, that are dedicated to this idea that high heat uh, on plastics will release carcinogenic dioxins. Now, indeed, dioxins are worrisome. These are chemicals that are never made on purpose. They're a byproduct of many manufacturing processes. And they are indeed carcinogenic. They are highly toxic. Uh, all right, but let's explore this claim, though. Dioxins are a family of compounds that have some common molecular structural features. The dioxin that is most problematic and the most dangerous is this one, tetrachlorodibenzodioxin. There are four chlorine atoms and those are, are needed for toxicity of this, uh, this molecule. Well, let me tell you what this argument is all about. It usually focuses on heating up food in plastic containers in the microwave oven. And according to Fujimoto, who may or may not exist, the advice is that you should not do this because the plastic, when heated up, will release dioxins, and these dioxins will then embed themselves in the food. Well, the dioxin that they talk about is indeed a dangerous substance, the tetrachlorodibenzodioxin. 
And indeed, if the plastic were to release this into the food, it would be a concern. It could happen if those plastic containers were made of polyvinyl chloride, PVC, like your Venetian blinds or your flooring or uh, some outdoor parts of a house. And if this, were, if this chemical were heated to incineration temperatures of 1700 degrees Celsius, you could indeed get some dioxin. However, the plastic containers that are made for use in the microwave oven are not made from PVC. They are not made from polyvinyl chloride. So since they are not made from polyvinyl chloride, they can't produce dioxin because that has chlorine. Polyvinyl chloride is used to make all kinds of things. For example, this see-through plastic bag, uh, which believe it or not are sold as Macy's in Europe for couple of thousand dollars, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, if this bag were in fact incinerated, you would get some dioxin, the tetrachlorodioxin. However, this PVC is not found in the containers that we use in microwave uh, cooking. We use polyethylene or polypropylene. Neither polyethylene nor polypropylene contains chlorine. If they do not contain chlorine, it is absolutely impossible for these to form dioxin because dioxin is a chlorine containing molecule. So I don't think we need to worry about this. Now, even if we were to heat up polyvinyl chloride substances in the microwave oven and these little duckies uh, are indeed made of PVC, polyvinyl chloride. But even if we put these into microwave oven and turned on the oven, we would not form any dioxins. Why not? Because the microwave oven is not an incinerator. It does not work at 1700 degrees Celsius. In fact, microwave oven essentially works at 100 degrees Celsius, which is the boiling point of water. What microwave ovens do is heat up the water content in food. That's why if you put these duckies into the oven, nothing would happen. They have no moisture content. They would not heat up. So what is the bottom line of this story? If you are worried about dioxins forming in the microwave oven from heating up plastic, forget it. Doesn't happen because those containers are not made of PVC. Now, what about the possibility of other chemicals leaching out of the plastic when you heat it up in the microwave oven? And that cannot be totally dismissed because although polyethylene and polypropylene do not contain any chlorine and therefore cannot give rise to dioxin, they do contain a variety of additives, polymerizing agents, uh, UV stabilizers, pigments, uh, some of which may leach out although no one has ever shown that this uh, is in any way uh, harmful. As a general rule though, I think it makes sense that when you're going to heat up uh, food in a microwave oven, you use either a glass or a ceramic uh, container because you never quite know the history of the plastic, you know, whether it was properly produced or not. Although I, I would have uh, good faith though in the plastics that are sold specifically for use in the microwave. 
you should not use an old yogurt container, for example, to warm up your, your uh, tomato sauce because it has never been tested for that. But if you, are, if you have plastic containers that, that are dedicated to microwave cooking, that's a different story and, and you can uh, use those. Now, of course, uh, the situation of answering questions scientifically becomes more complicated in certain situations. Now, we were able to answer this question of whether or not dioxins are released from uh, you know, heating up uh, containers in the, in the microwave oven. We answered those, I think, quite emphatically because, as I said, you cannot form dioxins if you don't have any chlorine. However, when it comes to more complex questions like what should we eat, this is much more difficult to uh, answer scientifically. Why? For several reasons. One, of course, is that human body is the most complex machine on the face of the earth. The food that we eat is, is highly, highly complex, made up of thousands of different kinds of chemicals. And also, the nutrition studies on which we hope to base our thoughts are very often fundamentally flawed. Why do we say this? Most nutritional studies are based on recall. That is, people are asked about what they have eaten over a cer certain period of time. Uh, they are given uh, uh, questionnaires, very often you know, quite complicated ones uh, like this. Uh, how many times a day do you eat certain foods? During the last six months, how many hot dogs have you eaten? Uh, how often do you, you drink regular sodas, not diet sodas? Uh, uh, over the last week, how many days did you eat dark green vegetables? Well, these are not easy questions to answer. First of all, people don't really remember uh, what they ate you know, over the last week. And certainly, they cannot quantify it. Uh, what does it mean? You know, how, uh, green vegetables. I mean, does it mean having eaten a spoonful of, of peas or having eaten a bowlful of, of, uh, of broccoli? So these are open to interpretation. And also we know that these questionnaires are not reliable because often people will answer what they think they should answer instead of what they really uh, ate. Uh, people will not admit that they eat six donuts a day. Uh, they will somehow transform that into eating two servings of broccoli uh, a day. And uh, it has been shown from looking at these surveys uh, that, that uh, they just cannot believe a lot of the time because they talk about eating uh, foods that they can't possibly have eaten. I mean, you know, they, according to these questionnaires, people eat more broccoli than the world is capable of, of producing. So these nutritional studies are, 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 are generally uh, flawed. Plus we have you know, the whole complexity of, 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 of the diet, the thousands of different chemicals, both natural and synthetic that make, make up our, our food supply. So it isn't surprising that there are controversies uh, you know, when it comes to, to, to diet. Now, besides not being able to properly report exactly what we ate, there are numerous confounding factors when it comes to diet. For example, Here's an association of fried food consumption with cardiovascular and cancer mortality. And what the, the researchers found, as you can see in the conclusions here, frequent consumption of fried foods, especially fried chicken and fried fish, shellfish, was associated with higher risk of all-cause and cardiovascular mortality 
in uh, women in the U.S. That's all already uh, a little bit surprising. I mean, why would women be more susceptible to, to this than, uh, than men? But in any case, an association does not prove cause and effect. I think it's probably pretty good advice not to eat fried foods like this too often. However, just because you find an association between eating these fried foods and, and uh, early mortality doesn't mean that the fried foods are responsible because one has to look for confounding factors. Are people who eat these fried foods more likely to smoke? Are they more likely to uh, be less active? Or are they less likely to eat fruits and vegetables? So maybe it's not what they're eating that really matters, it's what they're not eating that, that matters. So these kind of questions are much, much more difficult to, to, to answer. And this is why we have such a variety of, of answers coming from, from studies that try to inform us about heart disease, cancer, as it relates to our diet. Just about any food that we uh, consume has been studied in terms of its effect on dis different diseases. And I'm just taking one example here ab about uh, uh, cancer. And as you can see, there are studies that have uh, resulted in uh, uh, cancer increase with tomatoes, cancer decrease with uh, tomatoes, potatoes, onions, lemons, corn, all of these uh, have been studied and there are some studies that show increase in cancer and studies that show uh, a decrease in, in cancer. And uh, for all of these, there are pro and con, except for one, bacon. Bacon does not seem to, to have any kind of uh, benefit ever. Too bad, believe it or not, bacon is one of the fastest growing foods in North America uh, today. So there, there is a lot of controversy here and that's why we always look for consensus. We never, we never investigate any single food uh, with one study and come to some kind of conclusion uh, about it. Uh, so science, as I said, does not claim to have all of the answers. Uh, often interpretation is needed, but the best way that we ever come to any kind of conclusion is by following the scientific methodology and, and by uh, looking for consensus. But basically science is, is like a race towards the finish line with the finish line always slightly receding away from us, but we're always getting closer and, uh, and closer uh, to it, but never quite seem to be able to reach it. This is why virtually every scientific paper ends with the lines uh, more research is, is needed. Well, uh, let's finish off here, leaving you first with uh, a quote for Antoine Lavoisier, one of the greatest scientists, one of the greatest chemists who, who ever lived. Uh, and he unfortunately lost his head, literally, during the French uh, Revolution. He, he, he was uh, guillotined, uh, not because of his scientific views, but he also, in a previous career, had been a tax collector, not a good thing, uh, during the days of the French Revolution. But uh, he emphasized that, that uh, experimentation was really the key to facts. The only way that we could really uh, determine what was happening in the world by doing experiments, by testing things, by studying it, searching for the truth and looking for evidence. And this is really what we need to do. Whenever you uh, come across someone making some kind of a claim, uh, the question to ask, where is the evidence? Uh, does it come from peer-reviewed scientific 
literature or is this just someone's uh, opinion? And uh, this is why this year uh, in our annual uh, Trakia Public Science Symposium, we're going to uh, emphasize an answer, hopefully in the question, in whom do we trust? Uh, every year we do put on this symposium, usually with uh, hundreds and hundreds of people assembled in, in, uh, uh, in a proper lecture room uh, downtown. Uh, of course, this year we are unable to do that uh, because of COVID. So it will all be done online. But we do have some absolutely amazing speakers. So I want to alert you to this. The first session will take place on Monday, October 19th at noon. It will be at noon. And uh, it is uh, uh, going to be available live. If you want all the information, you go to our website, which uh, you see here, mcgill.ca slash OSS. It'll tell you exactly how you're going to sign in. Uh, we will ask you to register so we have some idea of how many people are, are, are watching. Obviously, it is for free. The first day on October 19th at, uh, at noon Eastern time, uh, we'll have Britt Hermes, who's a former naturopath, and Brendan Nyland, uh, who's uh, uh, an expert on fake news. And then uh, a week later, on October 26th, also at noon, Anthony Warner, known as the Angry Chef, uh, will be speaking to us from England. And uh, he's got a bunch of wonderful books about food and who can be trusted and who not when it comes to nutritional advice. And we'll also have Wendy Zuckerman, who's uh, a journalist and who's got a great, great podcast called Science Versus. And again, uh, please go to our website. Uh, you will get all the information about the Trotsky Symposium for October 19 and 26, both at 12 noon. And I think we'll have a, a great time on, uh, on Zoom. We're going to dispel the idea uh, of, or at least hopefully dispel all the fake news that is out there. And uh, no, there is no beaver butt found in ice cream. And why do I even mention this? Because the food babe, Vanny Harry, uh, who has a big presence on the internet, uh, has intrigued people asking the question, did you know that ice cream has beaver butt chemicals in it? Well, no one likes to think of beaver butt being present in ice cream, but let me assure you, there is no beaver butt present in ice cream. Where does this tainted news come from? It comes from the fact that beavers actually do have a gland near their ear uh, where they secrete a bunch of chemicals to attract their mates. And these chemicals uh, have been studied, interestingly enough, uh, and their molecular structure is such that in the lab, it can be converted to a range of compounds, including vanillin. However, this is not economically viable. Nobody makes vanillin from beaver extract. It was just an interesting academic exercise. Uh, vanillin is made from uh, lignin, which is isolated from wood. But somewhere along the way, Vanny Harry saw this beaver story that, that uh, some compounds could be converted to vanillin and came to the wrong conclusion that there is beaver butt in ice cream. No, I assure you that there is no beaver butt in ice cream. And I sent her a book, uh, Chemistry for Dummies, to, to make sure that she understands what this is all about. I've, I've not received a thank you note for uh, sending her uh, this book. Uh, 
Let me leave you with the last quote from Jonathan Swift, who of course was the author of uh, Gulliver's Travels. And uh, unfortunately, we see this happening every day now. Falsehood flies and truth comes limping after it, so that when men come to be undeceived, it is too late. The jest is over and that tale have had its effect. And unfortunately, today we are seeing the effect of fake news, of alternative facts all over the place. Let's stick to the facts. Let's stick to science. And uh, that's where our trust should lie, not in alternative facts. And this is exactly what we promote through our office here at McGill. We try to shine light into the dark crevices of the world of pseudoscience. And I hope that I've been able to alert you a little bit here today to the onslaught of uh, false and questionable information and the need to make sure that we get the chemistry right. So if there are any questions out there, uh, certainly I'd be happy to try and answer them. Hi, Dr. Joe, I have a, I have a quick question uh, for yeah. you, for the public. Um, in one of my favorite books is Carl Sagan's The Demon Haunted World, uh, where, he's, where he sort of tackles uh, how science can, basically what you're talking about today, how science can answer a lot of the things that we, um, that we need to know. And one thing that, that when you were talking about QAnon, something that struck me is that he has a chapter where he talks about uh, alien abductions, this idea of alien abductions. And he makes this uh, suggestion that perhaps some of the alien abduction stories are really memories of people who were abused, children who were abused, with the idea being that maybe um, it's more comforting to think that an alien did it than someone that you love and trusted. Yes, that's a very interesting uh, notion. And there are many theories about, you know, this alien abduction business, uh, including something called sleep paralysis, where uh, sometimes people uh, wake up in the middle of the night and find that they are unable to move and have visions. This is actually well documented. And they look at some shadows around them and they think that, that you know, these are creatures. Um, uh, but I, I think that, that, that idea that it is more comforting to think that aliens have done something than that another human has done it is, uh, you know, is, is uh, I think, more acceptable. Yeah. And I, I, I just wonder if, if the, the, the emphasis in QAnon uh, people on child abuse is telling us something about perhaps the widespread nature, maybe more widespread than we care to think. And so they're more likely to believe that a pizza parlor uh, was doing this and so on. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? I don't know. I, I, I'd be reticent to attach any kind of rational argument to any of the QAnon uh, beliefs. I, I, I think that that's going down a dangerous road. I, I think these people have to be looked at as being uh, uh, totally bizarre and uh, out to lunch. Uh, they, the more you read about them and you know their ideas, the more bizarre it becomes. I, I don't think that they have any a rational thought in their head. Dr. Joe, there's a question about from the audience about, it says, can you compare the Q group to the Proud Boys? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, uh, you know, how, how do you compare one bad apple to the other? You know, one is more rotten than the other. I think the QAnon, uh, it, 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 they're different. Uh, I don't think that the Proud Boys believe the, you know, the, the uh, pedophile ring in the basement of the restaurant. But I think they do believe that 
that Trump is the answer to their their problems. This is actually more of an ultra right wing militia group, uh, without the bizarre uh, QAnon uh, beliefs. They they just want to make sure that uh, you know uh, Trump gets reelected, and uh, they're obviously against gun control. Uh, they're against abortion. Uh, they're just ultra right right wingers. They're uh, I think they're dangerous in that uh, it's possible that that you know should something happen in the in the election uh, where you know Trump will claim that uh, the election was unfair. I think these are the kind of groups that may resort to violence. Uh, so far, the QAnon is just bizarre beliefs. Uh, not uh, they haven't. Uh, being violent, but they're both bad apples. Dr. Joe, just maybe one last question. You mentioned before it's very difficult for um, for people like you who are explaining science. Sometimes the scientific answer is a little bit boring. It's not as exciting as the as the pseudoscience. But you know, we have Dr. Joe, we have Bill Nye, we had Carl Sagan, we have others who are popularizing science and explaining things. How many more of how many more Dr. Joes do we need, basically, to 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 turn back the tide? Oh, I think we need a lot. I, I, I think uh, our opponents, the pseudoscience people, are, are far more numerous. And they are also very, very good at, uh, at what they do. And um, uh, I mean, the more people who get engaged in, in trying to promote uh, proper science, I think the better. I mean, right now we're we are losing the battle, as as you know, you can see by by the uh, widespread belief in some of the nonsense that is you know uh, being spewed out by by Trump. I mean, you know, the the belief that the the virus is going to go away, that the weather will kill it, or you know, a miracle will happen, etc. I mean, these are 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 not believed by a handful of people. These are believed by, you know, a big cross-section of the American uh, population who just do not have any idea on what is the proper way of, of gathering information and knowing what information is reliable and what is not and, and, you know, how one engages in scientific studies as opposed to hearsay. So I think we need a lot more people who are, are uh, scientists with a good background in science who can uh, explain things and, and explain it in a palatable and somewhat entertaining fashion. Okay, Dr. Joe, there is one last question from the yeah. audience. It's, it's, um, it's, ask, it's Melody asks, how do you know which news sources to trust when often newspapers are aiming for sensational, uh, I guess sensationalism and facts may be weak or not fully explored? Yeah, there's, there's no simple answer uh, to that because uh, uh, no news source is 100% reliable because people are not 100% reliable. They, they do, do make uh, uh, mistakes. But uh, uh, I think uh, the website Science-Based Medicine uh, is very, very reliable. Um, new Scientist is very, very reliable and uh, understandable. I mean, it's written in, in language that, that people will understand. I hope our website is very reliable for, uh, you know, for information. Uh, I think the major uh, newspapers like uh, New York Times, I think generally are re reliable, although, you know, not, not a, a hundred percent. 
But I would say that, that if you want good scientific information, one of the first sources to go to would be science-based medicine. Excellent site. And hopefully you will come and visit ours too at mcgill.ca slash OSS. Okay, Dr. Joe, we've kept you a little bit past three. So thank you for staying on. Uh, thank you for another entertaining and informative talk. And we'll see you uh, next month. Thank you. Bye. Well, that is today's episode of the Code St. Luke podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to our guests and thank you to you for listening here today. The show is produced by me, Daryl Levine. The telephone broadcasting service and podcast was launched as a way to get content into your home during the pandemic period. As you know, we had to stop our events at the library and at Parks and Recreation. So we hope you're enjoying the podcast as a sort of a virtual way of getting the content to you so you can hear your favorite speakers at home. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Every rating and review helps others to find the show. Have a great day.